You are now listening to the Bayshore Community Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God, connect to people, and to serve the community. Thank you for joining us today and wherever you are listening. We hope that this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Our prayer is that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, what's up, Bayshore? How are you guys doing this morning? It is so good to see you guys, and we're so thankful that you chose to make Bayshore a part of your weekend. My name is Cotter, if we haven't met before, and I am the Next Steps pastor at our Rehoboth campus. So one of the really cool things about Bayshore is that we're one church, but we've got four locations. So we've got our Millsboro campus. You guys are the original campus. You guys are holding it down for us. Then we've got Rehoboth and Fenwick and then our online campus. And I get to hang out at our Rehoboth campus most weeks. But it's a a real blessing to be hanging out with you guys this morning. Um, And something cool is I actually grew up here at our Millsboro campus, and I would sit right over here, like four or five rows back on the left side every single Sunday growing up. So it's cool to be back here hanging out with you guys. And this morning, uh, we are going to be looking at a man in the Bible named Joseph. Now, in the Bible, there's a few important guys with that same name, Joseph. But the one we're going to look at today is from the book of Genesis. And, And I think of him the way that I remember which one this is. He's colorful coat Joseph. That's that's what I think of. I think my Sunday school uh, teachers would be pretty proud of me remembering him that way. But this guy, Joseph, he went through some crazy, crazy things in his life. So Joseph's father, he loved Joseph more than all of his other brothers, which created some tension in their relationship. And, and this wasn't one of those situations where his brothers just thought that Joseph was the favorite He was literally the favorite. Like their dad made him a coat to say, hey, this is my favorite son. You guys are not as awesome as this son. And so uh, Joseph, uh, you know, he has some tension in his relationship with his brothers. And so one day they they got kind of jealous of him and they decided to throw him into a pit which is a strange thing to do to somebody that you don't like. Uh, but that's, that's what they did. They threw him in this, this pit, and then uh, after a few minutes, they kind of felt bad. And so they, they pulled him out, they rescued him out of the pit, and, and then they decided to sell him to some random merchants that were going by. So his brothers were just not a big fan of, of Joseph, and uh, so they sold him to these random merchants, and then they went home, they took his, his colorful robe, and they went to their dad and, and made it sound like he had been eaten by wild animals. But, but Joseph wasn't eaten by wild animals, he was still alive, and so these, these random merchants that he was sold to, they ended up taking him to Egypt. And so Joseph landed in Egypt, and, and he had some, some crazy trials there, he was accused of some things, he found himself in jail. But over time, he ended up becoming a very important ruler there in Egypt. And Pharaoh put Joseph in charge of all of the land of Egypt. And and because Joseph was very wise, because he loved God, he ended up storing up a ton of food to prepare for this famine that God had warned him about. And, uh, you know, this time of year... um, when the weather's kind of getting cold, you guys know how the weather's been getting a little cooler lately. Today we woke up, it was like 50 degrees. I had to wear a sweatshirt for the first time in, in months. And so uh, when, the, when the weather's getting a little bit cooler like this, I start to have some college flashbacks. Does anybody else think about college? 
this time of year a little bit. I don't know, maybe it's all the college football that I've been watching yesterday. Um, but I started to have some college flashbacks and um, my wife Emily and I, we live in Salisbury. And so we both did our undergrad over at Salisbury University. And so we're always driving past the college and, and this time of year, all of the college kids are back in town. We kind of get a break in the summer and it's kind of empty around there. But this time of year, all the college kids come back and I'm convinced that all that they do all day long is just go to Chipotle and just hang out there all day long. And so I was over at Chipotle the other night and I was uh, getting a burrito. I waited in line for like three hours and, and I finally got my burrito. And so I was driving back home after getting my burrito and, and I went past um, Salisbury University and I looked past, uh, looked over and saw their gym. And, and that reminded me of this PE class that I took back when I was uh, in school there. And, and that PE class is home to one of the uh, most vivid, awkward memories of my entire life. Like one of the most awkward situations I've ever found myself in. And so uh, one day for class, um, we were playing kickball. And, and this, was a, um, this was a class where it was just a gen ed. So everyone had to take it. Whether you wanted to exercise or not, you had to take this class if you wanted to graduate. And so we were playing kickball, which I guess is what all of my student loan went for, because I, I got a bunch of student loans because I wanted to play kickball, I guess. And so we're playing this game of kickball, and, and it's just a bunch of people that have no interest in physical education, or out there, and, and I'm playing defense. I'm at center field. And uh, we were playing with one of those uh, red four-square balls, you know, the ones that are kind of hard, like when you peg somebody with them, it kind of stings. That's, that's the best way to play kickball. So we're, we're playing with this ball, and, and in kickball, there's two ways to get people out. You know, you can do it the boring baseball way, where you just throw it to the base before they get there. Or you can do it the awesome way, where you just hit somebody with the ball. And so that was always my goal when we were playing kickball. And so, so I'm out in center field on defense, and this girl comes up to kick. And she, she had no interest in this class. She did not care about it at all. But she had the best kick of anyone the entire day. And so she comes up and she kicks this ball and it flies over everybody's heads all the way back to the wall. And so I'm like sprinting back to get this ball as fast as I can. And something you guys should know about me is I'm very competitive. So we're playing a meaningless game of kickball, but I really, really wanted to win this game of kickball. And so this ball is flying over my head and I'm just sprinting back forward as fast as I can. And as I'm getting close to it, I kind of peek over my shoulder to see where this girl was and she had rounded first base. She was getting close to second. It was going to be tight. And so I just kind of peeked over. I reached down, grabbed the ball and just launched it as hard as I could. And, and guys, I got a picture of this. One of my friends took a picture. We can put it up on the screen. That's it. <laughs> Right, the hair and everything. That, that was me right there. And so I, I just launched this ball. I was probably like 30 yards away. And I just launched it as hard as I could. She's almost to second base. It hits her right in the knee. I got her. She was out. I was so pumped. I was on cloud nine. I was like, I am the greatest kickball thrower in the history of the universe. And I felt so good about myself. And then I saw her on the ground crying. And I did not feel as good about myself when I, when I saw that. So she was on the ground crying. I had hit her in the side of the knee. She had a like dodgeball-sized bruise. Her knee was like turning purple. She was on the ground crying. And I went from feeling so awesome about myself to just feeling like a total clown for taking this girl's knee out in a meaningless game of kickball. And it was just... It was so awkward. I, I don't think she talked to me for the rest of the semester. She showed up to class a couple days later with crutches. It was so bad. So everybody was just looking at me like the guy that took kickball way too seriously. And it was just a, 
an awkward, awkward rest of the semester in that gym class. And, uh, and I tell that story because Joseph, he was heading for a really awkward situation in his life as well. And we've got a verse that we'll put up on the screen, and uh, we'll have everything on the screens this morning. But if you guys need a Bible, we've got free Bibles right over here. Please grab one before you leave, um, but you can follow along on the screen as well. So uh, this is Genesis chapter 41, starting in verse 57. And it says, And all the world came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph, because the famine was severe everywhere. So, so the world was in the middle of this crazy famine, and it says here that all of the world came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph. Now, all of the world, that included Joseph's brothers. You know, the ones who threw him in the pit and then sold him into slavery to some random merchants? Those same guys were affected by this famine, and they had to go to Egypt to get grain from Joseph. Now, talk about an awkward awkward situation. So, so they go to Egypt to get this grain, and, and then they see Joseph, and, and he recognizes them. And, and for Joseph, this is just a crazy situation. You know, he, he had come so far in the years since they, they threw him in the pit, and they abandoned him. But what they did to him, it was something he never would have been able to forget. Their, their jealousy, their decision to try to kill him, that that really forever changed his life. After that day, he never got to go home to his family. He never got to go home to see his dad. And that had to be just a, a painful, painful memory for him. So, so his brothers come in and he sees them and he, he recognizes them. But, but this time he's in the power position. You know, he holds the keys to the only food in, in the whole region and their lives were now in his hands. And so today, there are three things I think we can learn from the story of how Joseph handled this situation. Three lessons about how he treated his brothers that I believe will change the way that we react when someone hurts us. So we're going to hop into this first section, and this is starting in Genesis chapter 45. We're going to start with verse 4. So Genesis 45, verse 4, and it says, Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. Now what a crazy moment. You know, Joseph's brothers come in, he recognizes them, but they didn't know who he was at first. And, and Joseph, he had to tell them who he was for them to recognize him. And the Bible tells us that when he told them who he was, they were so terrified that they couldn't even answer him. Can you imagine that fear that had to be going through his brothers' minds at this point? Like their lives were in the hands of someone who they had tried to kill— Someone who they had abandoned. I can't even imagine what they were thinking. But what's so cool is Joseph, he wasn't looking for revenge. He could have yelled at them for all the ways that they hurt him and the pain that they caused him. But instead, he told them to not be distressed. He told them to not be angry with themselves. And, and that's crazy. That, that is not at all what I think when someone hurts me. You know, usually when someone hurts me, I'm thinking that, that I want them to know what they did. I want them to feel bad about what they did. And I want them to apologize to me. But, but Joseph, 
he didn't care about any of that. He wasn't focused on himself in this situation. He was only focused on God's purpose for what had happened. And so he looked beyond his hurt and, and to see God's plan. And, and that's our first lesson this morning. It's that Joseph looked beyond his hurt to God's purpose. Joseph looked beyond his hurt to see God's purpose. And, and we'll put verse 5 back up on the screen. Look at this. He says, And now do not be distressed. Do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. And now verses 7 and 8, they say, But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. So three times here, Joseph points to God's plan. Three times here, Joseph said, God sent me. Three times he was focused on God's plan and not one single time did he point a finger at his brothers and blame them for his situation. Now, now what do we take away from that for, for our lives? Well, look, let's start here. How many of you guys have ever been hurt by someone? Everyone, right? How many of you guys have, have ever been wronged by someone? All of us, right? And, and when we're hurt, whether it's someone betraying us or someone breaking our trust, whatever it is, our minds usually go to how we're affected and, and how we've been hurt, the wrong that's been done to us. We think about how we're angry and we're disappointed. And, and instead of staying there, instead of staying focused on our hurt and on our pain, we can look beyond that to see how God is working in our situation. You know, we sang that song Waymaker uh, a few minutes ago, and some of my favorite words from that song are, are when it says, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. And look, God is not just working in your life when thing, things are going well. He is not just working in your life when things are going well. He's also working in your life in the middle of your pain and in the middle of your hurt. So when, when we experience betrayal and when we're hurt, we can look to God because we can see that he's still working in our lives. And, and God promises to take care of us when things are going well. But he also promises to care for us when we're struggling, when we're in pain, and, and when life is challenging. You know, you think about Joseph and, and God was working in his life when he was in the pit. God was working in his life when he was sold into slavery, when he was in a jail in Egypt. In Joseph's worst moments, God was still working for him. He was still orchestrating his plan behind the scenes, even if Joseph couldn't see it at the time. You know, Joseph, he didn't know that the pit was a part of God's plan. He didn't know that being sold into slavery was a part of God's plan or being betrayed by his brothers was a part of God's plan, but all of it was. And in all of those situations, God was still working. And, and I think the most amazing thing that Joseph says in, in this entire section of, of the Bible is, comes from the uh, chapter 50 of Genesis. It's Genesis 50, verse 20. We'll put this up. This is Joseph talking to his brothers. And look what he says. He says, You planned evil against me. God planned it for good. His brothers planned evil against him, but God planned it for good. Even in this crazy betrayal where his brothers tried to kill him, Joseph could still see that God was working in his life. And look, God is always working in our lives as well. He's working in your life when things are going well. 
And he's also working in your life in your low points and in your pain and in your hurt. And, and look, if you leave here today with one thing, this is what I want you to remember. Remember that God loves you. Because the people around you, they may hurt you, they may abandon you, but God never will. God's love for you is constant, and God's love for you is, is eternal. And look, it's so hard to experience rejection and, and hurt from the people around us, but that's not a reflection of how God feels about us. So when people hurt you, Remember that God's still working in that situation to bring about good. And it may be hard to see. It may be hard to feel. But we can trust that God is always working in our lives. And, and in the Bible, there's this really cool verse from uh, the book of Romans. Romans 8 verse 28. It says, All things work together for good to those who love God. So if you love Jesus, you can hold on to this promise that God is working everything in your life for good. And I love that because it's so hard sometimes when we're going through challenges to find something positive to hold on to, to find some hope. But knowing that God has a plan, knowing that God has a purpose for whatever we're going through, no matter how painful it is, that's so encouraging. Knowing that God is in control, there is so much hope in that. And that's why we can look beyond our hurt to see God's purpose because he promises to always be working in our lives. Now let's hop back into this story, and, and I want to jump forward a little bit. So at this time, Joseph had been reunited with his father, Jacob. His father and his brothers had moved to Egypt, and, and they lived there for some time. But after some time had passed, Joseph's father died. And, and when that happened, his brothers were afraid. They thought that now that, that their father was dead, that Joseph was going to come after them. They thought that he was only being nice to them because their dad was alive. So let's hop back in here. This is Genesis 50, verse 15. We'll put this on the screen. It says, When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, What if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? Excuse me, let's jump down to verse 19. It says, But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. So, so Joseph's brothers were scared. They thought that he was going to come after them. But Joseph, he said that holding them accountable for the wrong they did to him, that wasn't his responsibility. It wasn't on him to get back at them. And then he took it a step further in verse 21 where he said, don't be afraid. He told his brothers to not be afraid. He says, it says that he will provide for them and their children. And then he reassured them and he spoke kindly to them. So Joseph's father dying, his, his circumstances changing, it didn't change the way that he acted towards his brothers. And the reason for that is because he had completely forgiven them for what they did. He wasn't holding on to a grudge. He wasn't looking for an opportunity to get even with his brothers. He'd moved on from his hurt. And that meant that he was going to treat them with love and mercy in any situation. And that's the second lesson that we can learn from Joseph. And that's that mercy is more rewarding than revenge. Mercy is more rewarding than revenge. Joseph, he had every opportunity to get even with his brothers, to get back at them for all the things that they had done to him. But he let it go 
and he moved on. And, and then he went out of his way to reassure them. And, and he went out of his way to be kind to them. And he even promised to provide for them, to take care of their families and their children. And by doing that, Joseph showed them God's love. He used that situation as a chance to be a light for God rather than an opportunity for him to get even. Now, um, a couple days ago, I got to go see my niece play in a volleyball game. She plays high school volleyball, and, and she was just crushing it. it. It was so cool to see her play volleyball, and uh, my sister played volleyball, and she was really good, and, and my niece is just like totally following in her footsteps, and, and so it was really cool to get out to that game and, and see her play. It, it did make me feel really old to see my niece playing high school volleyball, because I felt like high school was like two years ago for me, and it was not at all. It was definitely not two years ago for me. So uh, that was cool to get out there and see her, but um, it's reminded me of how fun high school sports were. How many of you guys played a sport in, in high school? High school sports are awesome, man. That's, I really believe that's the reason I got good grades and passed high school, was because if you didn't get good grades, you couldn't keep playing sports. And so my motivation to get through my science and math classes was just being able to play soccer and basketball. And so those were the two sports that I played. I love playing soccer. I love playing basketball. And, and this time of year is when we would start kind of gearing up for basketball. Late October, early November, that's when, when basketball season would start. And, and I was a, a shooting guard on our basketball team. And I got a picture of me from one of our games we can put up here. That's, that was it, you know, just, just like that. That was, the, that was the pose I would make every time I dunked. Uh, not really, not at all. Um, this is probably a more accurate picture of, of me. <laughs> those kids are rocking those goggles, aren't they? Uh, so um, I love playing basketball, and, and I was uh, super competitive, which you guys probably know, because I told you that story of me, you know, taking a game of kickball way too seriously and, and really hurting that girl. Um, but one thing that I always tried to do when we were in intense games and when things were getting uh, really competitive was I tried to just make a conscious effort in my mind to stay level-headed and to remember that it was just a basketball game, not to take it too seriously. And, and what I did to keep myself level-headed when we were playing basketball was I'd make an effort to help pick guys up from the other team when, when they would fall down. And, and it was just a, a small thing, but it was something that kept me level-headed and helped me remember that there was a, a bigger picture outside of the game, outside of winning. And so when I'd get some super competitive, i just try to remember to, to help people out, and that would just keep my mind focused and uh, not let me get overly competitive. And and so a few years later, after, after high school, I was in college, and, and I met this guy. And, and this guy had gone to a rival high school that we played basketball against. And I, I remember playing his team. I don't remember playing against him, but he remembered me. And, and he remembered me as the guy who would help people up during the basketball games. And, and I thought that was really cool that, that he remembered that because he didn't remember that we beat his team every single time we played them, which we did every time. And he didn't remember that I was uh, a shooting guard on the team that won the championship three out of four years, which we did. Um, but he didn't remember any of that. The only thing that he remembered was that I helped people up during games. He remembered the impact that I had on people, not the impact that I had on my team or for myself with success. And and I tell that story because there was more value in me showing mercy than there was for me to be looking out for myself and to be trying to be successful. Mercy is what left a lasting impact on him. And so when we're wronged by people, looking out for ourselves and getting even, 
that's not going to leave a lasting impact on them. Showing mercy is. So when you're driving home today and if you get cut off by somebody on your way home, showing mercy and and backing off, as tough as that might be, is going to leave a longer and more lasting impact than riding their bumper for the next 20 minutes. You know, I think about it every single day. We have opportunities with our spouse, with our children, with our coworkers to to try to get even with them or or to show mercy. And, And what's amazing is what we see from Joseph is that our purpose isn't to try to get back at people. Our purpose isn't to try to get even for all the wrongs that are done to us. Our purpose is to reflect God's love to the people around us. You know, Joseph, he had every opportunity to get even, to get back at his brothers, and, and he would have been totally justified if he had done that. But instead, he chose to show mercy. He chose to show them God's love. And, and check this verse out. This is from Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. And this is uh, Jesus talking here. He says, Let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Our purpose in this life is not to get even with the people who wrong us or to get back at the people who wrong us. Our purpose in life is to reflect God's love and God's mercy to the people around us. So when we're wronged, we follow this example of Joseph who let go of his hurt and and showed mercy to his brothers so that they could experience God's love. Because there's there's so much more value in showing mercy than there is in, in trying to get even. Now, there's one more lesson that I want us to check out from this story this morning, and and we're going to go backwards. We jump forwards, now we're going to jump backwards to the middle a little bit. And and so at this point, Joseph had told his brothers who he was. He told them to to go back home and to pack up all their things, to pack up all their families, and to move to Egypt. He said, I'm going to take care of you. Grab all your stuff, come here, and I'm going to take care of you. And, And his brothers did just that. They went home, they packed their things, they came to Egypt, and and that's where we're going to pick up. This is Genesis 47, verse 11. And this is what it says. It says, So Joseph settled his father and his brothers in Egypt and gave them property in the best part of the land. So Joseph's brothers, they tried to kill him, and he repays them by bringing them to Egypt, the one place that had food in the middle of the famine, by promising to take care of them, and also by giving them land in the best part of Egypt. He went all out for his brothers, and and I think this is an amazing lesson about forgiveness for us. So the third thing that we can take away from the story is that Joseph advocated for his brothers. Joseph advocated for his brothers. He didn't just let go of the hurt that they had caused him, He went beyond that to advocate for them before Pharaoh. He made sure that they could move to Egypt. He made sure that they would be taken care of with food, that they would have some of the best land and and the best property. And, And here's how I think this impacts us. I think a lot of times when we think about forgiveness, we kind of see it as a reset to being neutral towards someone. You know, when someone wrongs us, we are over here. Like, we're mad, and we're angry, and disappointed, and hurt. And then when we forgive, we feel like we're just, you know, kind of coming back to the middle with someone. We're, we're letting go of our anger. We're letting go of our hurt. We're not holding anything against them. We're just kind of neutral towards those people. And, and this is often what I think we see as the finish line for forgiveness. We think, okay, I'm not angry anymore. I'm not upset anymore. I'm just, I'm neutral towards them. So, like, we're good. I've forgiven. Like, that's... That's it. But what Joseph did 
It went so far beyond that. It went beyond a neutral relationship with his brothers to then advocate for them. Joseph wanted his brothers to have the best of the best. And, and this is a complete picture of forgiveness. You know, complete forgiveness is when we go out of our way to bless someone who has wronged us. When we are advocating for them, when we want them to have a great blessing in their lives. You know, Joseph, he'd forgiven his brothers so completely that he wanted them to have a greater blessing than anyone else in Egypt. All these people that had not hurt him, that had not sinned against him, had not tried to kill him, he wanted his brothers, who had wronged him, to have greater blessings than all of them. And, and I think that's, that's amazing. I think it's really tough, too. I think that's a really, really hard thing to want for people who have wronged us. And, and if I can just be super honest with you guys, in, in my life— there are uh, two people that I can think of that um, ha- have hurt me more than anybody else. Um, just people who have uh, lied to me and, and betrayed, to, betrayed me and just, you know, done some really, um, really messed up things. And, and when I think about how I've approached forgiveness and those relationships, I think that I, like, let go of my hurt and let go of my anger. And, and it took time and it took a lot of prayer, but I believe I let go of that. And I got to where I was just kind of neutral towards them. And, and I felt like, all right, I'm not angry at them anymore. So, so I've forgiven them. I've let go of it. But what I realized while I've been studying this story of Joseph is that I, I felt convicted that I haven't really moved into the final stage of forgiveness that, that Joseph is demonstrating here. And I reached a place where I felt neutral to them, but, but I was kind of content just to leave it at that. I never wanted those people to be blessed. I never wanted them to have great things. I just felt like, you know, I'm neutral, so we're good. But what Joseph displays here is so much more than that. It's so much more than a neutral relationship. He moved beyond that to advocate for his brothers. And and that showed me that that I've got more work to do in my life in this area. And and so look, I'm praying that God will give me the same love for those people that he has. And and I'm also praying that God will help me to show complete forgiveness for them and, and that I will desire for them to be blessed, that I will desire for them to have a blessed life and Beyond Joseph's example, what, what encourages me to show complete forgiveness is what Jesus has done for me. Because look, I've sinned, I have broken God's commands, I've made mistakes, and, and those mistakes hurt God. That sin is, is offensive to God. But God's response to what I did, God's response to my sin, it wasn't to punish me. It was to give up his son, to sacrifice his son so that I could have eternal life. Look, when, when we deserved punishment from God, he chose to show us mercy. He chose to advocate for us. And that's because he loves us and because his forgiveness for us is complete. While we were still sinning, while we were still rejecting God, he chose to advocate for us. He chose to bless us. And, and that's the ultimate display of love. So, We can forgive others because we see this example of Joseph forgiving his brothers and because we see how Jesus has chosen to forgive us. Joseph's brothers, they they certainly didn't deserve his forgiveness. And and look, we we don't deserve Jesus' forgiveness. But Joseph forgave his brothers and Jesus forgave us. So we can move beyond our hurt to show love, to show mercy, and to forgive fully. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for the love that you've shown us. And I thank you for this example of Joseph. I thank you for 
how he handled this situation with his brothers where he could look beyond the, the wrongs that had been done to him and he could see his brothers with so much love that he would want to reflect your greatness to them. And I pray, God, that, that this example of Joseph will, will change our lives. I pray that it will change the way that we view the people who have hurt us. I pray that we won't see the times when we've been hurt and wronged as a, as a chance for us to get back at people or a chance for us to get even. I pray that we'll see those opportunities as a chance for us to, to show your mercy to others, to show your love to others. And God, I thank you so much for the forgiveness that you've offered to us through Jesus. And, and God, I pray for anybody in this room or that's watching online that has not taken that step to accept your forgiveness. And I pray, God, that they would today. I pray that they would know how much you love them and that there's nothing that we can do to separate us from you because of your great, great love for us. I pray, God, that we would reflect that love to all of the people around us so that they can see you and they can know how great you are. I pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Bayshore Podcast. I want to encourage you to take this message you just received and allow it to go deep into your soul and let Jesus do the deep work that only He can do. A special thanks to everyone that gives generously to Bayshore. It's because of you that this ministry is possible, creating life change all over the world. You can be a part of spreading the message around the world by going to bayshore.online and clicking give. For all things Bayshore, visit bayshore.online to find out what your next step may be. You can subscribe right here and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thank you again for listening. God bless you.